Hello, and welcome to Pet Reads, the podcast that celebrates and explores the words written about America's band, the Beach Boys. I'm Ed Main, and each episode I'll be talking to an author about their book or books on the group, as well as discussing their love, fanaticism, and their story following Brian and the Boys. Thank you for tuning in for this episode, which sees me speak with Luis Sanchez about his book, All About Smile, taken from the 33 and a third series of books. Uh, The premise of those is uh, each book is all about one particular album and its effects and its details. So uh, do have a look through those and that whole series. Um, There's also one about pet sounds. So do give that a read. We'll hopefully be hearing from another time. For now though, let's grab our fireman's hats and head on down uh, to Western 3 where we speak with Luis Sanchez all about Smile. It's my pleasure uh, to welcome along to this episode of Pet Reads. We're introducing uh, Luis Sanchez. We're focusing on Smile, his fantastic book through the 33 and the 3rd series. So welcome to the pod, Louis. Thank you very much, Ed. It's, it's, good, to, it's good to be here. Well, well, it's fantastic, good, yeah. Good to talk with you. Appreciate you coming on. Um, we're talking um, about a great book and a great subject today. Um, so just to let the listener know, if we aren't sure what we're talking about, your fantastic book released in uh, 2014, it was in the 33 and the 3rd series, which continues to grow and grow, I think, um, published by Bloomsbury. And this is a series, uh, it's yeah, very, very vast, covering all types of artists and albums through each, any decade and periods. It's brilliant. So uh, to have your work about Smile in that canon is, is superb. So um, that's just a bit of the background on the book, which we'll get into a little bit later on. Um, but firstly, let's talk about the band first and uh, what are your first introductions of the Beach Boys? I suppose I was a teenager. I was in high school, I believe. This is maybe like an interesting way to kind of how it came to, came about was there was, and maybe you, maybe you remember this, I believe it was, I think it was in 1995, there was a, um, a Beatles documentary series that aired, uh, at least here in the United States, I think in November that year, called Beatles Anthology. Yes. And I remember being in high school and this would have been like the week of Thanksgiving and um just I remember airing on TV at the time and watching it and I was kind of aware of the Beatles and the music you know a little bit up to that point but I remember watching that documentary series and um, just being like completely taken by not just like the music but the this the kind of story of the Beatles and um, their impact on, on I guess in the on you know the planet I seem to remember there a moment being there and I haven't watched it in some time but I there was a moment when maybe it was Paul mentioned something about like pet sounds mm-hmm. um being an influence on the on the the beach i guess rubber soul and just at you know just hearing that and out of curiosity i remember like kind of looking up the album pet sounds and um learning about it and that way i think was probably like my introduction uh, to the beach but you know i'm not i'm not you know i'm I'm not of the age. <laughs> I wasn't alive with I, I, I wasn't alive when they were releasing their first records and that sort of thing. So yeah. this all came about when I was just a kid, um, just discovering their music as like as a as like kind of like a young man at the time. But that was my introduction, and it kind of went off from there. Fantastic. No, very similar to me. I think yeah. I call myself like a second generation fan yeah. uh, of the Beach Boys. And um, you're right. I find 1995 a, a fantastic year for both both groups but in very different ways the way the, the anthology for the Beatles was released here in the UK um, it was obviously humongous and then even the songs that they released on the back of that charted so well here and then that did bring in a whole new raft of fans younger fans like me having had that tough 80s that the group had the mid 90s really uh, chimed well I think with the new generation enjoying a lot of the guitar music yeah. um, but at the same time I always find that the Beach Boys doing their um, appearance in Baywatch the very same year uh, it's, it's a, yeah, an interesting comparison but um, yeah. a great segue so you know when great musicians like Paul McCartney are talking about similarly great musicians um, if you've not been aware of them then what a great introduction to check them out. And then from there on, it, it, it did it go to Pet Sounds and then it went further on than that? Well, I think it was, I'll tell you what happened. It was, it was Pet Sounds, um, I guess, was the first thing. I think I, 
I seem to remember buying a, a vinyl copy of like Endless Summer. Ah, yes. Um, which is, you know, just a great collection of, 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 of music. And then I remember uh, checking out, there's, a, there's a, um, another documentary um, that I think was released in the 80s, mid-80s, called The Beach Boys and American Band. Mm. And I remember watching the documentary and it was, I think, it had, you know, lots of like archival footage and a lot of um, footage of Brian, I guess, post-Smile years. Um, so like my introductions to the Beach Boys was kind of like me being fascinated by I mean, obviously being taken by the music, but also kind of learning the story of Brian Wilson as the, you know, the kind of main creative um, figure behind the Beach Boys music and just fascinated by his story, like the story of, you know, they started off in this, at this as this very popular, you know, American uh, band that made music about like surfing and cars and that sort of thing, you know, teenage concerns. And then it kind of, moving along in the 60s and then um this event you know the pet sounds was released and um then some, this event and this vague kind of references and allusions to this like album that was you know that they were working on but didn't didn't come out um so this combination of things i think it was i was really fascinated by just uh brian wilson's um trajectory as like a a creative figure i suppose um and and it's little by little the next thing I'll, i think was another um kind of big thing was there's a collection of um it's a i think it's called look listen vibrate smile maybe you've heard of this this book it's a, like a, yes. an edited yeah it's a collection of edited um um kind of um archival um clippings um it, almost put together like in the in the like the style of like a like a zine um mm-hmm. from like a couple decades ago and just it's kind of there's, it's kind of all these like clippings put together and edited together and kind of an attempt in a way in this kind of like very interesting format um, to kind of piece together the story of Smile. And I think at, up to that point, that may have at least the only kind of attempt to do that in that way. And so, again, fascinated by this kind of story of this piece of music that or this album that was being worked on that kind of wasn't finished. Yeah, well, I guess by then, that was late 80s, I think that was released, wasn't it? So we're talking yeah, yeah. 20 years of mystery that's been built up and built up, and that's been catching the imagination of lots, so plenty yeah. of columns were written about it. Um, so to collate all of that information, having it ready-made must have been a, a yeah. real uh, exciting read when, when that came out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was just like, it was so good. I don't know if you have a copy of it or if you've ever seen a copy of it. It's like... Um, because I, I got my copy, I think I must have been late, like 18, 17, 18, I think, at the time. And um, and it's like this very big kind of thick um, book, the way that the edition that I got, but this very bright yellow cover um, paperback. But um, and it's just it was just kind of fascinating to kind of like like go through all these clippings and all of these things and kind of um, inter like there's less sections like in between to kind of connect all of the research, um, I guess written by Dominic Priori. And yeah. um, again, trying to like piece together like a story of like, this is what was happening. This is what what we know of from the, this information, this information. But um, I think just the style of it, the way that it was put together was very interesting as well. It was just like a straight, straightforward book. It was more, had like a, a bit like a kind of tongue-in-cheek way it was like put together you know mm-hmm. that, that like that zine kind of like aesthetic yeah yes something yeah. that's lost in in more more recent writing i think uh, well, yeah, yeah it's not lost but yeah it's yeah. a very different style to now which uh that's exciting that kind of diy yeah. feel to it so yeah exactly yeah yeah well, that's great inspiration brilliant so that you, you pick that up at that kind of age and then you ran with that and um did that sort of sow a seed that then has led you now to release of your smile book? I, so I mean, I can talk a bit about like the trajectory. I mean, it was, that was just kind of me being like a young man, like in, in the kind of getting into kind of music that I was into and listening and just kind of following these kinds of things as, um, for my own personal interest, you know, I, you know, I, I then went to like, you know, do my undergraduate degree. Um, um, and then towards the end of my undergraduate degree, this is probably like another big turning point was that I, um, been working on like a, a senior thesis as part of an undergraduate program I was in and 
I came across, and I was doing, I was studying my undergrad is in British and American literature, and I was looking at uh, specifically some poetry by William Wordsworth, and then for my senior thesis project, I decided to kind of do this interesting kind of historical or comparison between some things that, that were happening in William Wordsworth's poetry right. and Brian and Brian Wilson's music. Oh wow. <laughs> and yes, and these are the, this is this is something that that happened. And uh, it was during that project that I came across some academic writing by um, a professor by the name of Simon Frith, who is um, is a British professor in living in the UK. And I knew that after the, my undergraduate studies that I wanted to do postgraduate studies, and I somehow um, learned that popular music studies is a is a pathway that that one can take. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of as simple as finding out where this professor was teaching and working in the UK. I remember I reached out to him, and he responded, which also kind of took me by surprise that he actually took the time to respond to my email. Yeah. He was very, he, very nice, um, gracious. Said yes, I'm, I'm working in this university, and I then decided to apply, and then proceeded to work with him for both my masters uh, and my PhD in the UK and Scotland. Um, and it was through working with him and the kind of this kind of field of popular music study um, in the UK that kind of led to my PhD, which was about this sort of thing, and then to the book. It was actually him specifically, uh, Simon, who brought the, my attention to this series in the first place. He said, he asked me if I'd ever heard of them. And I said, I hadn't. At the time, I hadn't heard of them. He said, um, you might want to check these out. And I think looking back, I think there may have been a kind of like a gentle kind of encouragement, I would like to think, um, from his side. Uh, because he kind of knew the kind of writer I was and the kind of uh, way I approached my writing, I, th I guess, at the time. And I think may, it may have been him kind of um, in a kind of a subtle way suggesting, you know, this might be a thing you could consider doing at some point. Brilliant. That, but that was, yeah, that was very early on in my, in my, in my PhD program. And, but I didn't get the, you know, the, the, the deal to do the book until after I finished my PhD, basically. So it was kind of like a long kind of arc to get there yeah no I understand I mean he must have been yeah. pretty flattered that he, you reached out to him and then you know one day you, you were there in front of him and then uh, so I think that encouraging sign from from you yeah, to him yeah, yeah. Was, was a good reply to him and to suggest this series and yeah I guess because they are they're not they're not tomes are they they're not these huge right. books that, that really right. go uh, note by note um, but that's that's the, one of the real benefits of them so I suppose it needs certainly needs a take of sorry a type of writing that's required to yeah. get the detail in these books there so if you identified that that's a fantastic stepping stone that then led you to this yeah, um, yeah. so then fr from there where how did you then did you approach them directly and and then pitch yeah so I think I'm not sure how it works now but at the time it was an open it was an open call for submissions that's the, that was their process I think that every every I don't know if it was like every couple of years or so they would put out an open call for submissions, and I remember just uh, they put out a call. I suppose this would have been um, either very late 2012 or early 2013, and it was just an open call. They they they, they give you the the kind of uh, the requirements uh, for your submission, for your pitch, um, and I just did my best. I remember writing out my idea. Uh, Kind of an outline for how I thought it would go, uh, the way I would, the way I would, I, I wanted to write it and submitted. And I think, if I remember, it it was like rounds. They did like they would they would read through some the uh, the pitches, and then like there was like rounds where they were like, all right, we've narrowed it down to this many. I think mm -hmm. I, I want to say it started off to like around four hundred and fifty pitches that in that first well, when I submitted. Oh wow. And, and then it was like two more stages of like, okay, we've narrowed it down to this many, this many. And I thought, I, I, who knows? I was open to whatever, but it, yeah, I think for that, that batch that I was a part of, I think it ended up to be like somewhere around 11, 12, maybe 15 at the time. But that was the process. It was kind of a, it was kind of a, kind of uh, anxious. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. Gosh, yeah. Well, that, I suppose that shows that they're sort of they're focusing on on the real quality of it and maybe looking for something different as well in amongst those hundreds that they've received. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, a lot follow a theme. So, um, right. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes it interesting to interesting yeah. to know for sure. And I think you can certainly go on their side and pitch um, or su submit to stuff still. So uh, mm. it could well be very similar still. Yeah. Brilliant. So yeah. with, with that in mind, did you always think Smile or were there any other albums you considered by the Beach Boys? No, I hadn't. I think one of the things that, that I learned at the time, and I don't know if the policy, their policy have, have changed. I, can, I can't imagine why it, hadn't, why, why it wouldn't have changed. But uh, they had own, there was already a 33 and a third written about Pet Sounds. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading that. I think that may have been the first one I'd read after it had been brought to my attention by my PhD supervisor, and I remember reading it and thinking um, that it was a, it was you know it's it's a it was a, a fine piece of, of writing, but that I knew that I did not want to write if I were to write a book about the Beach Boys, I knew I did not want to write it in that way, and I wanted it to be different um, in, in in its approach, and I knew that I guess part of me knew that Smile was is set, it, amongst the beach people who know about the Beach Boys and their music and who know about Smile, it would be something that hopefully not only people who are interested in it would be interested to read but also um i knew that there had already been enough literature or like text written about smile hmm. and i thought as kind of a challenge to myself and um, hopefully something interesting for this series that i would try to write something that again was not like that either <laughs> i did not want to write i did not personally find it interesting or exciting um to write another these are the sessions that took place. Here's what happened at every single session. Um, and this is why Smile is the most, you know, whatever album to me for the, you know what I mean? I wanted to kind of approach it a completely kind of different way and hopefully mm. connect it to like a, a, maybe a different audience, even maybe than some of the people who were fascinated, maybe much like I was like that earlier Smile kind of lore. Um, Oh yeah. yeah, I mean that, that's hugely enticing, isn't it, for so many people? I find it because it's it's other other artists have these records or songs that yeah. get unfinished, but this whole world, really, which it really is now, that surrounds Smile, um, yeah. even after it's now you know, had these various different releases, yeah. um, is is very very uh, seductive. I think to any yeah. music fan and and someone like yourself who then has had that so those uh, those PhD studies about music musicology and, and that focus um yeah it's ideal i'd say yeah i think it was it, i guess what um was also interesting is again at the time i think the smile sessions were released kind of i can't forget what year they were but they were they were not released until after i kind of submitted my pitch for this I oh well wow. i'm trying to think of the timeline but if i had had access to those uh to, to, to that to that kind of box set before i don't know how much it would have changed what what i what i ended up writing but um Again, like you say, like there was all the, there's all this like people who are interested in smile. It's like it's like its own world. Yes. And for for so many years, there was only so much access to like you know bootlegs or whatever was released on previous Beach Boys like um, um, records. It's kind, it's kind of odds and ends. And as time you know went on, um, and certainly after 2004, I guess when Brian Wilson um, got together with that live band and mm. put Smile on stage, um, it kind of like built and built, but. Um, I suppose timing was a, 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 a kind of on my side. I suppose I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Well, the, the, yeah. the sessions, the, the, the proper sessions, of twenty eleven. They came out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you were in amongst it and, and okay, developing yeah. the idea before then. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And so then, so that approach got you got you here and, and got you to the book. But where? So what research was involved um, to get you to that point? Well, it was started off when uh, when I started. <laughs> It kind of started off uh, when I began my PhD studies. I was very, very interested in um, studying the idea of creativity, <laughs> and I know that 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 can sound like very almost like abstract and broad, and it is, and it was very challenging. I think in the beginning to kind of get a grasp on what I was interested in as it related to popular music. Mm -hmm. I suppose creativity as it related to popular music, and again. As I was kind of, it, it just entailed like a lot of reading, a lot of archival research, and it eventually got to the point when I decided that I wanted to write about, I think it was, you know, the Beach Boys as, 
a part of like a certain time in American history and a part of uh, Southern California American history and popular music history. Um, these things all kind of converge and it just, uh, as far as like research, it was a lot of just like cultural historical research, which in my case, I guess, meant a lot of like archival stuff, a lot of uh, just reading and looking up, um, looking at archives for um, all kinds of information and following different research pathways, which to any researcher they can tell you can be very exciting. If you, I don't know, people, uh, it can be fun, at least for me, it was fun at times to be stuck like in a kind of dusty stacks of like an, an archive or a library, kind of like looking through things. And um, it's very different now, I think, even since between things have changed since then, everything's so digitized now. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then um, I think towards the end of, or at least to a, a an end to a stage of the research, um, I got the chance to interview Van Dyke Parks um, to kind of talk about all of these things, which which was which was a great experience. I can um, only but, begin to imagine. Yeah, he was, he was yeah, pretty forthcoming uh, and, and very open, was he? It was also like very um, kind of you wouldn't have expected it, I guess, because I didn't. I somehow, and again, I couldn't even remember how I found a way to contact him. But I, I think I maybe he had a website or something at the time. And there was an, just literally an email address that I found. Wow. And I emailed him, I think. And I introduced myself. I said, hello, this is the, this project I'm working on. This is where I'm coming from. I said, I'm an American living in the UK, but you know, I'm kind of doing this project on Beach Boys in Southern California. And I, at the time, was um, able to make a, a trip to California. To, I, had, there was two, I had two plans. I had big plans for that trip. The first big plan was I was trying to access some, what I was told were possibly some archives at Capitol Records. Uh, and I was working, I was communicating with a, a, a guy from Capitol Records. That didn't pan out. And so I was kind of, and then my other goal was to, um, I set up this interview with Van Dyke Parks at his home in Pasadena, California. Wow. And he, those are my two, those are my only two goals for that that research trip that I took to to Los Angeles. That I think it was August two thousand nine, and he was very generous. He's well, we'll do it this day, this morning. Just you can come to my house. Um, I met him at his home. It was very, it was very very welcoming, very generous. Um, we had a very nice kind of, just kind of normal person chat before we even before I even sat down to like with the recorder, and I think we ended up. Just the actual interview, when I put, you know, we're recording, I think it was, I must have talked to him for, I don't even know, like maybe two and a half hours. But it was, it, 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 the overall experience could not have been more um, positive for me as a researcher, just in terms of like, he was very welcoming and generous with his time, welcoming into his home. Um, it, it, was, it was great, yeah. That sounds amazing. I mean, yeah. I always imagine him. The more you see him on on documentaries and interviews, yeah. uh, certainly the, the sort of the, the mythical stuff around him, um, his lyrics as well, would paint him in a certain way. But to hear sort yeah. of a very, very normal, whatever normal is, experience that you yeah. have with him, sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. fabulous. And yeah. he certainly enjoys talking about that period of time yeah, and yeah, his yeah. work. I think. I think so. I think so. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a great. It was a great experience. Um, yeah, just separately. He was just such a, just like a very nice person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. Fabulous. Well, that yeah. I mean, to, to speak to someone that's such at the heart of this mythical work is it must yeah. have been incredible. So uh, yeah. So that that was, I guess, you know, a big part of the research, just like being able to speak to him and kind of mm. get his thoughts on a lot of these things. And um, yeah, yeah. It was it, mostly that. A lot of reading and archival search and trying to piece together like histories and that kind of thing yeah and what about the sort of the the overspill of, of smile afterwards it's it's sub- tracks taken from that on subsequent releases I and mean, how did that sort of form your opinion on certain parts of the album because a lot of people say you know it, it was rejected by the band members and things like that but then for them to I think dig out and put on subsequent releases says a different story I think that's I think that's that's a really good you know kind of thing to think about I think, before you know, as before the before two thousand four, with I guess the 
Brian Wilson presents Smile, I guess, and then um, the Smile Sessions in 2011. Um, like you say, like anybody who was curious and enough to know and find them could find some of these like odds and ends on you know previous releases, mm. and you start to put together like your idea of what you think this would have been. Um, but, but I will say that when I when I finally got when I finally bought the Smile Sessions and I kind of listened through it, what kind of struck me, and that may have influenced some of the things I wrote in in the book, was that it's what you hear in the studio sessions, I suppose is not necessarily at least what I thought based on the things I had read in, from before, like in previous like books about this, this period or um, just the kind of lore surrounding Smile. Mm. I think that what I heard, at least what was released on the Smile sessions, um, was a very vigorous like attempts to get all of these ideas on tape. And it seemed to me almost as if not so much that there I'm sure there were limitations from 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 different places and different um, from coming from different directions, the band and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of truth to that, but what I he, I think as a listener and as someone who's curious about how these things um, kind of play out as stories is that from what I hear, it seems as if Brian Wilson had beyond means beyond what he he could have imagined to create what he was trying to create and what i mean by that is it's to me it's almost kind of like there were so many things happening there's so many recordings so many sessions that you have at least i had to wonder i have to wonder um why didn't it was why wasn't it finished <laughs> it, you know what i mean i think it was just I don't know that it, I'm not interested in like, you know, explaining why it was or it wasn't, but it, it's just, it, as you listen to these sessions, um, you, in my mind, I hear someone who was like getting so many ideas out and um, it almost makes me wonder why it was not completed. And it not, cause I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't personally think it was just this thing, this reason or that reason why it wasn't finished, but probably a combination of things, but um, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but it made me think about some things, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure, absolutely, yeah. and and you're right. I think you, we've heard so many reasons, yeah. so many different reasons from the same people as well. So I think yeah. Brian comes up with a different reason frequently. Um, so it, it's a huge, huge yeah, I think, list. Yeah, I think as a, someone, for me, again, like cause a, lot of my, a lot of my interest in all this stuff was the kind of this, the way the stories get written, and I think what I was trying to do with the book what I was attempting to do with the book um, in some way was to kind of say that here's another way we can tell the story. And one of the things I was trying to attempt with the book also was to say that um, to me, it's not really satisfying or interesting to explain that this was the reason why it was or was not finished, but that um, there's definitely other ways to, to think about how this story can be told, I think. Yeah, um, and it yeah. focuses a lot on on how the group and, and Brian got to that stage as well, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than simply maybe the on the other end of it. Um, yeah. And yeah. then that was a conscious decision going through the reasons why. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so marrying up that, where do you do you see on certain records, even pre Pet Sounds, it's certainly pre Smile, that where the hint or well, the hints were that this was kind of coming. Do you see certain pieces of work and certain tracks that? would lead its way up to smile. I think there were a couple of things that you can kind of listen to or think about um, and kind of like trace a line, you know, across these things to, to what smile, I guess, was, was, was going to be. And I mean, definitely the studio, um, Brian Wilson, um, his interest in like using the studio, as they say, like as it gets told as a sort of in instrument in itself. And, but not just the studio, but also using in certain sounds that um, kind of resonate in a certain way or signify certain things that um, are, are almost like just so specific to Brian. And I guess in a certain kind of, um, how do I put this? Uh, they kind of resonate in a very American way. And so it's like this, the way he uses the studio, um, Okay, let's, let me, let me, here's an example. So the Christmas album, the Beast Boys Christmas album, to me, 
and this may, I don't know, to me, I, there, there's something about the way that the, the Christmas album was um, kind of conceived and recorded and um, produced that, that is kind of like, in my mind, a kind of precursor to kind of what Smile is. Okay. And I guess if I can explain that, what I mean by that is that Christmas music is 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 is, is, is uh, its own kind of category, and but the way that Brian kind of approached that was to um, there there's uh, the second half of the album, I suppose. I think it's the second half. Uh, yeah, though they're kind of standard Christmas songs on that side of the album, and but he chose to record them in, in it in a kind of very specific way, which is like to say like a kind of like old timey way. Mm -hmm. um, the kind of string arrangements, the kind of sounds that um, that he chose to record for those songs, it just it kind of didn't make sense. It doesn't it doesn't seem to make sense when you contrast it with like what the Beach Boys were singing about um, and the kind of sounds that they were making in the studio. But he was very serious about that he was very serious about choosing like i think the, uh, dick reynolds was the is the was the arranger from Cap, uh, capital records that he worked with to uh, get those arrangements specifically for the christmas album which is to say he knew he had these sounds in mind that the only way to get them those specific sounds was to work with this arranger and these uh these string get these string arrangements on, on tape to me that is an example of kind of a small indication in my mind, and I guess in my ears, what I hear would, that would then lead to something like Smile. Because to my, if you listen to Smile, so many of the sounds, so many of like the kind of um, themes and symbolism are kind of these very specific like Americana symbols. And it's not just that he was like, and Van Dyke Parks, in, uh, to his credit, was like finding ways to put words to these things. Hmm. Um, in a way that fit, I think, in a very, very specific and um, in the right way, I think. He was taking all those same kinds of like, uh, those same kind of like American symbols and um, kind of not just to show what, what they represent, but like that he was kind of taking them apart and putting them back together in this new way that to me is what probably makes smile such um a fascinating and kind of like really great musical experience just something to listen to um to me there's something in the way that he was doing that with the christmas music that i hear um that seems to indicate the kind of direction he would do and why he would choose to record an album like smile i see um, no that's really interesting lineage i think yeah. from from those two I think what, what, what draws me to these things, uh, like, like, for example, like the Christmas album or something like Smile, is that it may, it, it, to some years it may sound that way, but again, Brian Wilson was not, this was not like false. There's nothing false about any of that. It was something that he, that he felt was like very real and, and, and affecting and, and could be, um, you know, almost haunting in its own way. I mean, you listen to, um, there, there are sections to the Smile, you know, like the, like the child is father to the man, like like the I think was it look a song for ch song for children surfs up, like mm -hmm. that that kind of like section of, of smile. It's like he was taking some of the sounds from uh, like Christmas album. There's something very haunting about some of the string arrangements. There's um, or if you even go back even earlier, let's say to like a song like in my room. Um, there's something to me very very haunting and um about that song completely that i think that you can also kind of connect to like surfs up on on smile um i don't know that i i, I don't know that i i can't think i cannot think of a more haunting like kind of popular record um than like surfs up um to me it's 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 amazing Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, it's it's one of the anchors of, of Smile, really, isn't it? That yeah, it's just yeah. a, a real masterpiece in itself, surrounded by the bits of that masterpiece. I think yeah. that's a really good call, though. That say that 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 recall or recollection that Brian had often from previous things. He seemed to work on something or have a melody or something, pocket it, 
and then come back to it and, and either implement it within the melody of a song or just some sort of principle or method of working. Um, yeah. But by the time 66 rolled round, he was obviously a master of himself, so he could do that and implement what he heard, but he can do that himself rather than, I suppose, lean on lean on those capital staff members as well to do that arranging. Um, but you see that throughout the rest of his career and, and certainly what the music he wrote for the band, you can hark back to, oh, that bit is that bit. And certainly, I think, around this time, he was pulling um, bits from previous years, but also more latterly. He was, I think, he was looking back to the, this period and even still intertwining those bits within future records as well. It's uh, an amazing recollection that he has considering everything that happened. Um, oh, yeah. But that, that, again, just highlights the, the masterful work. Yeah. Um, well, in your book, you, you start each chapter with um, sort of a quote that has a relevance to the, the, the preceding chapter. Um, was that kind of a, uh, a writing trick that you picked up somewhere on, and where were the quotes coming from in terms of where you picked out the choice and the link between the two? Um, I think, I mean, it was definitely a, a kind of deliberate thing to do. Uh, I think, I, I guess I, I would have seen it like in different texts, you know, you sometimes you have, um, because I was kind of reading, I was when I was in the process of writing this, I was reading like fiction and other things, and like a lot of like um, kind of just even like film criticism and other things like this, just to kind of um, absorb like different ways of like getting ideas across. And I guess that was just something I thought. And if that's that's an interesting question you asked, because I think my editor at some point um, didn't like the idea of me doing that. Oh, right. Um, yeah, the, 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 the suggestion I think was kind of, well, I don't know that we need these, what, what they, they're maybe not necessary. And I thought, well, I suppose we could take them out, but to me, they, maybe to answer your question as well, I just thought that I had, they were all, all of those, all of those like kind of uh, quotes are taken from some research they had done at some point through the course of either my PhD or this book. And that seemed to kind of relate to something I was trying to um, illustrate in that chapter, I suppose. Hmm. And I kind of, I tried to use some of them, I guess, in kind of like, kind of a wry, kind of playful way, but also um, just as a kind of an extra thing to kind of set like a tone, I suppose. I think I, think I use like Mark Twain one of the first ones yes that's one that leapt out yeah. to me but it, it does they, they work really well this is why i mention it because they tee up the okay. chapter nicely um well i'm but, glad to hear that because again like <laughs> the only well, the only time i've ever talked about them previously was my editor telling me that they were maybe not a good idea <laughs> no well we'll get back in touch with them and tell yeah. them uh, tell them it's good <laughs> no absolutely right and All you're right, right yeah. the mark twain one leapt out and but you also go like terry melcher as well so you go within the world yeah. of of the band themselves so they're far ranging yeah. but i think they they, yeah. they do sit nicely yeah, I think they, if, if, if I kind of, I have, I, I like them, but I think it's some, maybe for some of them, I thought they were kind of maybe an easier way for me to set up an idea that I could, you know, then illustrate without having to be too on the nose, I suppose, as far as like my own writing. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I think they're kind of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> gets gets yeah. my vote for sure. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so kind of back to then the music side of it, where do you see the musical landscape had Smile come out when it was potentially due to in sort of the, the beginning of 67? I, I mean, who knows? I, no, I think huge that, questions. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, a very huge question. <laughs> I would like to think that um, had Smile been released, it would have, I mean, I'd, let's say if we were to write like a story, like a film, but you know, the fictional, uh, you know, Here's what would have happened. Um, it, I would. The story I would like to see is that Smile gets released the way that it that um, it gets. It, let's just say it gets finished and it's released and it is what it is. And I would think that because it's so it's so specific uh, in it, it doesn't really. If you have to like to put it up against, I guess it would be a natural thing to do. But like if you put it up against like Sergeant Pepper's, right? It's Sergeant Pepper's has its own kind of way that it, it gets like its ideas across with this, you know, we're, we're this kind of like fictional band and they're using that kind of um, 
idea to um, present the music and it's, you know, there's kind of allusions to psychedelia and that kind of thing, hmm. Lucy in the Sky. This is, this to me, Smile does not, if it had been released, if you, and if, and if you, if you know much about it, there's nothing on the face of it that to me immediately resonates as like 60s. Um, there's not a whole lot of like overt, you know, things to do with like psychedelia. And it's like all of like the, the, the themes and the music, some of the sound, you know, the majority of the sounds are very specifically referring to um, like this kind of, these kind of American things mm -hmm. that had it been released, I, all I can, what I would, again, the story I would like to see is it's released and that it finds an audience with young people who um, maybe connect to that, these ideas um, that Brian Wilson was exploring with Van Dyke Parks and um, maybe would have, well, maybe more than anything, it would have influenced music differently had it been released. I think that, I mean, certainly people who in the 60s and, and afterwards and before Smile, who admired the Beach Boys would have still admired them. But I think it would have, if I, my guess is it would have probably influenced other people's music just in, the, in its production and its um, um, attitudes, I suppose, towards some of these ideas. I think, yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. Um, being where I am and not being fully uh, in amongst US culture and uh, certainly yeah. of, of the time, it's hard to say how that would have, um, I suppose, affected it. But I suppose the stuff that was happening at the time, I mean, imagining them performing any part of Smile at, at the Monterey Festival, if that happened. Oh, right, yeah. Say they, say they released this. Brian was of a different... Um, so a different status and different thought of all of this and then they went on to right. perform at monterey pop festival playing bits of this i can't understand yeah. or begin to imagine the reverberations that would have happened yeah but, you know I, I guess another thing to think about again if i were to write like a movie about this you know a fictional account like you know, if, if smile were released let's say it was a, a huge success if it had, you know a, an interesting story might be that it's a huge success and but then everything we know about Brian Wilson post 1966, what if that still happened? What if he still kind of um, withdrew? And not because, let's say, as the story traditionally goes, that it was the, the kind of collapse of smile that kind of precipitated that, but that, let's say, it was because he, he withdrew because smile was so successful. That's a totally different story, right? Absolutely. Um, that, not that, because I guess the story maybe usually goes that, well, Pet Sounds was such a, you know, a creative feat, uh, achievement. We wanted to, he wanted to, you know, do better with Smile. Well, let's say he did. And let's say Smile was, you know, really well received or just, just a success with the right people, the right audience. And maybe he would have still withdrew. And who knows? <laughs> I, who knows? I think... Maybe we wouldn't have, uh, it, it would have changed the, the way that the Beach Boys recorded after that. And maybe we wouldn't have some, we wouldn't have had some of these like kind of later, like 80s, 90s albums. That we don't really, <laughs> I don't know about them, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, a very, very different world. You're right. Mike Love may have had a different, uh, <laughs> if it's successful, he would have liked it, right. I think, regardless of, of what right. it sounded like. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, hey, I, I know we're in a world of fancy and a complete yeah, world of make-believe yeah, 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 asking yeah, yeah. that kind of question. But I think yeah. it, it's so big that it is fascinating to say if it, if it came out yeah. before Sgt. Pepper even, would that have affected the Beatles and... Yeah. And then you know, absolutely everyone else. Um, it, it's a fun thing. It's it's like you know, yeah. creating your own lineup of, of a festival or whatever. Choose your, your, yeah. your perfect fantasy lineup, then choosing what this could have meant for for the late sixties, seventies music yeah. um, could have been wildly different. Um, but I think as sort of track wise, you get obviously there's, there's, there's thousands of, of covers of versions of, of Beach Boys songs as well. Um, something I'm kind of focusing on on this pod as well. Um, but Smile, there doesn't seem to be, uh, not every song has been attempted, I think, as cover versions, I think. So I think that says a lot. They just know it's, it's this, even if you try and strip it down and try and bring your own angle to it. Um, Smile has plenty of challenges, I think, to any musician wanting to try and replicate or yeah. do a tribute to. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, it's, 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 it's so, I mean, it's, 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 it's so studio based. It's so, mm. 
so much. I, I, I was listening to some of them, um, like to kind of uh, refresh my my ears uh, before our conversation. I was listening to um, the kind of the this the, as it as it as it progresses on the Smile Sessions box set, that first disc, and just kind of listen through like from beginning to end of like that version of it. And one thing that I kind of uh, thought about was how just how much of it there there's no lyrics. Um, there's there's so many just like instrumental pieces uh, kind of um, constructed together without any lyrics, and again it's just a Brian Wilson is is so he, at the time was just so interested in like recording these pieces and how they fit together, you know, as a studio production. That again you're right. I don't I don't know how you would try to, you know, I'm just trying to uh, do a cover version of uh, Good Vibrations, which also Good Luck. I don't I don't know how you're going to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> no. You'd have to yeah. start. Well, yeah. if I was doing it, I'd do it very, very differently. I think just yeah. do it uh, really stripped back, and yeah. uh, otherwise, yeah, it's that, that masterpiece is untouchable for right. I think any version. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and lastly, then um, I think there were there was talk when they were trying to release it in the early seventies in on the brother label, um, but I think it was just deemed a bit too uh, well too much of a, a thing to piece together and get get right as a release um, so that's why it's taken so many years for it to come out I think as it has but that would have been interesting for it to be released instead of um, Surf's Up the album I think it was coming out yeah. around about then as well they were looking at yeah I mean um, I guess there was Smiley Smile that was released right mm. um, which I've had I've had a conversation there's, there's a good friend of mine from from my uh, postgrad studies who we would talk about some of this stuff uh, from time to time and he, he his opinion is that Smiley Smile is already better than what Smile would have been had it been released, <laughs> which I, which I, I really, uh, I love, I love that he, that we have this conversation. Um, but uh, yeah, I suppose like they did put, they did release that Smiley Smile, um, and which there's some pieces right from the Smile recordings on there, mm. and then there are other pieces that are re recorded in a very different fashion. They don't have the same quality, studio quality kind of um, arrangements on them and stuff. It's almost like a it almost sounds like a like a prototypical like kind of lo-fi indie album if that uh, makes sense <laughs> it does yeah so even yeah. in even where they found themselves they were still yeah. or Brian was still well ahead of uh, most people on that respect and you're right I was talking about sort of stripped back cover versions previously but this I guess you lazily call it that it was very stripped yeah. back wasn't it um it was yeah. not in uh, any of the main studios that they were doing smile in as well so yeah. they retreated physically as well as musically i think onto that album and it became what it became i think it yeah. suffers from its name as well uh, it just doesn't yeah. sound like the, the great album even before you uh, put the needle down on it right, yeah. um but yeah that was an interesting response and uh, it didn't quite fit the musical yeah. landscape when it eventually did come out i think right yeah, <laughs> yeah. brilliant well smile has taken you on a, a fantastic journey it takes the reader on a great journey as well um for me it, it gives everything really fantastic information for the whole of the, the the career up until the album and then it, the album itself um so uh louis thank you very much for write, uh, writing smile being part yeah. of that 33 and a third group and uh, thank you for your time today right thank you very much Ed. it's good to it's good to talk to you today There we go. Great chat with Louis all about his book about Smile and the uh, the bigger picture of the Beach Boys taken from that 33 and a third series of books. Do check them out if you can. And Smile by Louis Sanchez. And now it's this week's Pet Soundalike. Pet Soundalike. From Smile, uh, I've chosen my favourite track, favourite single from the album anyway, Heroes and Villains. Uh, this has been taken on by the Gripweeds. They've done Heroes and Villains with Royal Plymouth Rock uh, as a bit of a medley. Uh, feels that's the wrong word to use for this type of music, but it is. Uh, taken from the 2021 album, Gem Records celebrates Brian Wilson compilation. It's one I'll probably dip back into actually for future episodes of Pet Reads because there are some fantastic, interesting and uh, varied covers on that album. 
everything from a whole host of different artists. So again, don't be surprised when I talk about that one again in future episodes. For now though, this is the Gripweeds, or a bit of the Gripweeds performing Heroes and Villains. version I think there of um, Heroes and Villains by the Gripweeds again taken from that Gem Records sorry Gem Records celebrated Brian Wilson compilation uh, from 2021 do dig that out some great covers on that not least that full energetic uh, bursting with power version there by the Gripweeds well thank you very much for tuning in again here on Pet Reads we'll be back next week with another book discussion Stay tuned to find out who that is and what songs we'll be discussing as we press play again on Pet Reads. Pet Reads is presented by Ed May. The music is entitled Summer Sun, written and produced by the terrifically talented KJR. The artwork was created by the superbly skilled pen of Sar Manor. It's a striker chord production.